I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Hi, welcome to My Alchemical Bromance. This is Eric Arneson. I am uh, coming to you from the D. Sands Motel in Lincoln City. I just gave a lecture at the Lincoln City Public Library, the Driftwood Public Library, on secret societies in fiction. It was really fun. <coughs> there was a really good turnout. Um, maybe 20 or so people showed up. I am, the room I'm in, it's right on the coast, right on the beach, and it's really bad weather here. It's uh, the end of April, and of course the weather is just terrible, so I can hear the ocean. I don't know if it'll pick up on the recording. I, tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about the lectures I just gave, which were really, uh, which was a really good one, and I am going to answer another listener question. And I'm going to do all of this while I taste a beer. Again, I wasn't able to get a beer that was super local. I know that there is a brewery just north of town or maybe still in Lincoln City called Rusty Truck. And I plan to visit them tomorrow. Today I will be drinking a Scottish ale from Two Kilts Brewing Company, handcrafted in Sherwood, Oregon. It's 6.5% alcohol by volume and 15 uh, IBUs. It's in a 22. I'm going to open it right now. Hopefully you get to hear this. Sorry about the background noise. You know how it is with these recorders. Okay. One of the nice things about this hotel that has real pint glasses. I'm not drinking my beer out of one of those plastic hotel. So the hotel, it's condominium suites. It's a condominium hotel. So, <clears throat> so I can drive right up to it, right up to the door. There, it's all covered, so I'm not getting rained on when I get out of the car. And it's really nice in here. There's a kitchenette. There's a full-size fridge. There's a range, a microwave. There's a gas fireplace. There's a queen-size bed right next to the window. There's a little balcony, a nice TV, a little table area. There's not a, it, it's not, I mean, the last, the last motel that I recorded out of was really, really cheap. Uh, this one was provided for me by the public library. In fact, I believe the room was donated to the uh, program by um, D Sands Motel. So thank you very much, D Sands Condominium Motel. Uh, I recommend this place to anybody staying in Lincoln City. It's super comfortable, very cozy. I really like it. All right, now, the talk I gave tonight was called Secret Societies in Fiction. And I approached this in an interest, from an interesting angle. First of all, secret societies are endemic in um, fiction in America. Like, we love secret societies. I am going to change the angle I speak to this at just a second here. Okay, this might be a little better. 
So, in the United States, in American literature, English-speaking literature, we love secret societies. They are everywhere. It is kind of ridiculous. So, I couldn't really do a survey of secret societies, not in the amount of time I had. Like, that's that's a multi-year project to look at the types of secret societies that are portrayed in American literature, to break them into categories, to figure out how many of them are bad guy secret societies and good guy secret societies and mystical secret societies and service societies. You know, just in thinking about the books that I enjoyed reading, um, I came up with so many different ones, including... Uh, I, uh, like the Catherine Kurt or is it Catherine Kurtz who had like the uh, the uh, ceremonial magic novels with like the, where the Freemasons showed up in one of them and there's a bad guy secret society and like this Golden Dawn style societies you have like all the Dan Brown stuff you have uh, you know secret societies in like Harry Potter in fact it's probably easier to make a list of popular fiction that doesn't have secret societies. So I knew that that was not going to be the approach to take. Instead, I said, how do we... Instead, I looked at secret societies that are both fictional and real. Um, and this included secret societies that were perhaps entirely hoax-based, such as the Priory of Scion, as well as secret societies that had a beginning in fiction that then ended up being real, such as the Rosicrucians. And then in particular, probably the one that I spent the most amount of time on, were secret societies that have a real basis, which end up being incredibly fictionalized. A great example of those are the Illuminati um, and also the Freemasons. I will include a link to my slides and maybe the outline for my for, for my notes in the in the show notes for this podcast uh, but I don't want to give the talk all over again in fact I don't know if you can hear it in my voice I've already been talking all night I uh, the lecture I think went for about an hour and then I had about a half hour of questions so my, my I'm feeling a little hoarse already okay and in fact you know I've been talking and talking again and I've got this delicious looking beer here let me talk about this thing Two Kilts Brewing Company, which I'd never heard of before this evening. I found it in a supermarket here in Lincoln City. It is a beautiful caramel amber color, perfectly clear and see-through. I didn't get a lot of head. I don't know if that's because, again, you know, the pint glass came at the room. Maybe it wasn't clean enough or something. Um, but the head looks healthy. Uh, tiny little bubbles. It's definitely carbonated. Podcast recording tip, silence your phone. I'm sure you all heard me get a phone call in the background there. Okay, back to this beer. It's amber, it's beautiful. Even though I just had a phone call, it's still ha- it's still retaining head. It's, it's just a lovely thing. I'm going to taste it right now. Oh, that's exactly what I expected. It's well attenuated nice malt with kind of like a roasty sugary aftertaste that that works very well for this style the hops are super muted uh there's heat just just enough heat like since there's no hops the heat uh kind of stands out really well 
overall it's a delicious beer it's thirst quenching i'm gonna take like a super big gulp now to refresh my voice and just kind of enjoy mm. Ah, I love public speaking more than my throat does. <laughs> okay, so what was I talking about? I was talking about my lecture. The other thing I'd really like to talk about is uh, I'd like to answer another uh, listener question. This is in regards to our episode about uh, ceremonial magic. <clears throat> and the question was, what's the difference between ceremonial magic and ritual magic? At which I think I said to myself, oh, geez, I forgot that sometimes I call it ritual magic, which I didn't, I don't think I did at all during that episode. And we definitely call the stuff that ceremonial magicians do magic rituals. In looking this up online and looking this up in dictionaries and things, uh, ritual and ceremony seem to be almost synonymous. And there, I think there's subtleties to the meanings that mean different things. There's also been a lot of discussion in magic forums and ceremonial magic forums and occult forums for decades and years. In fact, I think I remember being in some of them maybe a decade ago or so about the difference between ceremonial magic and ritual magic. What is the difference? I don't think there is one. I think that they are almost the same thing. I think that I can look at in my experience, for instance, in Freemasonry, where we use ceremony and ritual almost in, in, uh, interchangeably. At first I was thinking about it and I was like, well, we call our private uh, ceremonies rituals and we call our public ceremonies ceremonies. Like we have the ceremony of installation where new officers go into the lodge. And then I realized right in the first degree, we call it the ceremony of initiation. And I was like, ah, there you go. Ceremonies and rituals, possibly all the same thing. So one of the definitions, though, that I came across that I liked was talking about ceremonial magic as having a specific sort of pattern to it. It was... I believe trying to differentiate ceremonial magic and chaos magic, saying that ceremonial magic is very structured and rigid. So ceremonial magic would have uh, a structure involving like a planetary banishing or an elemental banishing followed by an invocation followed by, uh, I don't know, a summoning or or something of that nature where you would, uh, and then everything would sort of fit inside each other like like nesting dolls. So then at the end, you'd have to, ha you'd have to uh, banish what you invoked and then banish everything again and then release all of the spirits, you know? So there'd be, there'd be a really strict structure. Whereas ritual magic, on the other hand, covers the whole gamut. So all ceremonial magicians would be ritual magicians, but not all ritual magicians would be ceremonial magicians. So every chaos magician, for instance, might have a ritual for charging a sigil or creating a servitor, but that ne wouldn't necessarily count as ceremonial magic. That's okay, I suppose. I think it's probably the sort of thing where we don't want to get too hung up on terminology. And as we discovered when Matt and I were discussing ceremonial magic, you can get way out there and... and 
start including all kinds of stuff under the umbrella of ceremonial magic. I am almost... I'm, I'm happy to use the ter terms like ceremonial magic and ritual magic as umbrellas in which you can fit all kinds of things. So you might talk about like Ficino style planetary magic. You might talk about, uh, you know, lodge magic or Wiccan rituals or uh, any of a dozen different kinds of rituals and not have to worry about the nomenclature so much. I, that's, geez, I just really, you know, thinking about this after all of the lecturing I did tonight, I realize that my brain is kind of tired, so I might change my mind on this later. And I'm going to, this is going to be a, a two-part podcast for sure, because I definitely want to uh, share my experience at Rusty Truck Brewing, which I hope to hit up uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be giving a second lecture at the Driftwood Public Library. This one may not be as of as much interest to the readers of the to the listeners of this podcast. It will be called "How Computers Changed Cryptography." I almost want to call it instead how cryptography has changed computers. Really, though, they developed side by side and they were kind of, you, you know, it's like love and marriage. You can't have one without the other. I don't think we would have modern computers without cryptography, and I don't think we would have sophisticated cryptography without modern computers. They definitely love and deserve each other. Okay, now, now. I'm going to pour some more of this beer. I like this. This is absolutely what I wanted tonight. I guess I could have gone for something a little hoppier. But uh, I really like malty beers. That's, that's one of the styles that I've always appreciated. And I find that when it comes to hoppy beers, I really have to be in the mood for them. I almost always am super cool with a nice malty beer. Even beers with a little bit of heat. But, you know, malt. It's really holding up well in the glass as it warms up a little bit. It's got a nice warm nose. More caramel notes. A dangerously easy drinker. It tastes very, very Scotch Alish. I'm going to have to give two thumbs up to two kilts. Good job, guys. Okay, I want to talk about some more podcasts. I, uh, I'm worried about these um, solo podcasts. I haven't talked to the other guys yet about the fact that I want to put these on the website. So you may never actually get to hear this. But I've been listening to a lot of occult podcasts, and they're so dour. They are really dour. Uh, uh, some of them are really good, but there's no reason for occultists to take themselves so seriously where they always have to have like deep serious voices and talk about things in serious scary tones and it's it doesn't serve us any purpose there's no reason to be that dour lighten up occult podcasters have a little bit of fun tell a joke now and again I am not interested in falling asleep listening to a podcast. If I want to fall asleep listening to something like that, then I can 
I can just fall asleep. I can watch TV. Um, but then again, listening to our podcasts, maybe we make too many jokes. Maybe we don't get enough serious stuff across. I am still really curious as to how people ordinarily listen to podcasts. Is it the primary focus of your attention? Is it something that happens in the background? Perhaps you can offer us some feedback and let us know. I I want to know if our podcasts need to be deeper and richer and filled with more serious content, or if you guys are just sort of like listening to them while you mow the lawn, or listening to them while you clean the dishes, or listening to them while you assemble your death rays in your secret laboratories. Like, are, are you distracted while you're doing this, or is it the full do you, is the full focus of your attention on it? For me, it's it's really hard to put that much of my attention on something that I'm just listening to. I really need my eyeballs to be engaged, uh, which is why I, I guess, probably enjoy watching video documentaries and that sort of thing a little bit more. But since I've been traveling around the state a bunch this month and I've been driving, I've been listening to podcasts in the car. And then, oh, and this is this is another pet peeve that I've had. I don't want to call anybody out, but I'm going to call somebody out. Rune Soup. Very nice podcast. Lots of interesting stuff. Uh, one of his episodes has a an interview with Gary Lockman, um, who used to be in Blondie and then became a really great occult author and wrote one of my favorite books about the history of uh, Hermetic philosophy, which I think is called The Quest for Hermes Trismegistus. I will make sure that I look that up and, and put a link in the show notes. Uh, a great book, super accessible, easy to read, well-sourced, um, awesome introduction, and and lots of depth to it. So it's a, it's a great book all around. And I was so excited when I saw this. I was like, yes, Gary Lockman, I, I want to listen to this interview. The editing on it is horrible. I mean, I couldn't listen to it in the car. I was so sad. Uh, the interviewer, whose name is escaping me right now, the guy who runs the podcast, he was doing a great job. Like his vocal, his his voice was coming through nice and clear. But Gary Lockman, who sounded like he was calling in, he may have been like not close to the mic. He might have been doing the Joey, which is what we call it when you are talking to the microphone and then you lean back and you lean back and you get quieter and you get quieter and you get quieter. And pretty soon you're just sort of leaning back in your chair and mumbling and nobody can understand what he's saying. But um, even if he was, you can fix that with auto edit, audio editing software. You can normalize audio in, in Audacity. I'm just a friggin' beginner at this stuff, and I know how to do this. So that really bothered me. I really, I, I wanted to listen to that interview so bad. I, I wonder if we could get Gary Lockman as a, as a guest on our podcast. I would probably pee myself. It would be really entertaining for you, the listener. I would probably giggle a lot and maybe squeal a little bit and probably pee myself like three or four times during the interview uh so maybe it's a good idea if we don't get him so but rune soup and uh other than that rune soup has lots of really high quality guests um the the guy who runs it asks some really great questions and i would definitely recommend checking out that podcast i really like it uh, another podcast that I've been listening to is Charm the Water. I've only listened to a couple episodes of it. 
some of them are really good. I've been trying to find um, occult podcast episodes that deal with grimoires that are going to give me information that I don't already have, and that's been really hard to do. I don't know why. Um, it could be that not a lot of practicing magicians are using grimoire magic, but I feel like I just keep running into people who are like teaching classes in the Shem Hamefarash or teaching classes out of grimoire stuff or who are really into like the Picatrix. Uh, and I'm just wondering why there aren't better podcast episodes about grimoires. Maybe we will have to do one. I'm probably going to have to do all the research myself. I don't think that I don't know that Joey and Matt are super into grimoire magic, and I, I really like it. I really like all the the doodads and trappings and barbarous names and chanting and and stuff like that. So I'll I'll try to put together something on that. Now, uh, what else? Oh yeah, if you really want to laugh at something, hello from the Magic Tavern. That podcast is hilarious. It's uh, it's three guys. Uh, Arnie Niekamp is the host. He's got two uh, fictional co-hosts. One of them is Usador the Wizard, and the other one is Chunt the Talking Badger. They are in like a fictional fantasy world, and it's all improv comedy, and they have improv guests on all the time who are all playing improv fictional characters it it will you'll uh, you'll really like it uh, do yourself a treat and look that one up um yeah oh so one more thing now i am uh you know i'm really like i said i'm deep in the middle of grimoires right now i'm uh, i'm reading the picatrix john michael greer's translation and uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's surprisingly good compared to some of the grimoires, uh, which is it's one of the earlier ones, so it's it's interesting. Like the Sworn Book of Honorius, for instance. Like I said during the interview with with Chuck Dunning, is not fun to read. It it goes on and on and on with prayer after prayer after prayer, and then pages and pages of barbarous names, which I enjoy. And I would love to, for instance, chant some barbarous names for the podcast. But my impression of the barbarous names, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but my impression of the barbarous, barbarous names is the chanting of them is primarily to induce an altered state and put you into uh, some sort of trance. Uh, so maybe, you know, I might, speaking of which, I might experiment. That, that might, I've got an experiment in mind I'm going to try. Um, but uh, so that's really good. I've also started reading another Giordano Bruno book. I love Giordano Bruno. He is, I don't necessarily want to call him one of my heroes. He, he is definitely somebody that I look up to a lot. He's got some great um, Giordano Bruno has some great insight into stuff. He's just an incredible philosopher, an incredible thinker. I love reading his writing. but uh, And when I pick up one of his books, it's really hard to put it down. 
but uh, I did. I didn't bring it on this trip so that I could read the Picatrix and also so that I could focus on the encryption issues that I need to talk about tomorrow in Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookshop bookstore by Robin Sloan, which is the book that's being featured. I'll put a link to that in show notes too. Very excellent book. It's got a secret society in it. It's got cryptography. It's got mysteries. It's got Google. It's got high-tech stuff. It's it's super fun. I think that's it. I think that's it for right now. All right. Well, guys, I'm about halfway through with my... Oh, I'm not. I'm less than halfway through with my Scottish ale, but I'm pretty worn out, and I've got a full day tomorrow. So I'm going to go to commercial break or whatever we have instead of commercial break. And tomorrow I'm going to try to hit up Rusty Truck Brewing and the McMinimins in town. I think it's a lighthouse. I'm not sure. You know, get a McMinimin stamp and that sort of stuff. So y'all stay frosty and um, Yahtzee. And I'm back. That was a really long commercial break, uh, like over 24 hours. I know I said I was going to go to Rusty Truck Brewing last night and check in, but Rusty Truck is only open um, on the weekends right now, so I didn't get to. I did get to try one of their beers. I had a Rusty Truck IPA. It was delicious. Uh, But right now... It is about 7 o'clock in the morning, and I am packing up my hotel room. I am having a cup of hotel coffee and watching the ocean. It is ridiculously comfortable. I really like this hotel. I've, I've been having a great time. Lincoln City is great. If you have not vacationed in Lincoln City and you live in Oregon, or even if you don't live in Oregon, I would recommend vacationing in Lincoln City. This is a segment of the podcast where I've not talked about the occult nor beer. Um, I have the Picatrix here. Um, For those of you who are interested in getting into grimoires and you want something um, that might be... So grimoires are funny. A lot of them aren't super fun to read. They uh, They don't have a lot of information that can be super applicable to an occult practice right away. Um... And then, uh, but there are some that stand out as I think being pretty good introductory books or pretty good with providing some introductory material. Uh, and the two that I would recommend for that would be the book of Abramelin, especially the, uh, the latest translation. Um, I can't remember the name of the translator because I don't have the book in front of me, but uh, it's really good, very clear and easy to read. And uh, it does contain practices and things that can be adapted for the beginner. You don't have to go through the entire Abramelin um, working in order to get benefit out of it. So that's a really good one to start with. Uh, And then another one is the Picatrix. Um, I got the illustrated Picatrix here. I will include a link to it in the show notes. It is a beautiful book. Um, And I'm trying to find, oh yeah. It's printed by Renaissance Astrology, and it's translated and annotated by, by John Michael Greer and Christopher Warnock. 
John Michael is a is an old friend of mine. I mean, I haven't seen him or really talked to him in like ten years, but he used to be my neighbor, and we used to be in the same Masonic lodge, and uh, we used to have some really amazing conversations. I I kind of miss him. So, John Michael, if you ever listen to this, uh, hi. Sorry, I haven't emailed you in so long. One of the nice things about the Picatrix is it has kind of an entire cosmology in it that explains the whole um, planetary system that's used in so much uh, later um, Western magic. So that's really fun. And it's all about image magic, or a lot of it is about image magic. I'm only a quarter of the way through, so the first quarter of it has things about image magic. And image magic you can do with just in your brain. Um, it's worth checking out. So get to pick tricks uh, if you're interested in grimoires. Um, and one other thing. So I'm going to do these, these solo podcasts that I'm going to record. They're going to be numbered differently and in a podcast series on the on the website. Um, but if you have questions, you should ask us questions. You can tweet them at me, my, um, uh, my tarot reading Twitter handle is um, uh, at Arnamancy, A-R-N-E-M-A-N-C-Y. Um, or you can email me. <clears throat> I should put a contact form on the website. I'm going to put a contact form on the website, and you can use that to send us questions. And if they're questions I can answer, I will answer them in a little solo podcast like this. If they're questions that I can't answer, I will bring them up in one of our normal podcasts, uh, which may not be produced as regularly, so you might have to wait a little bit longer for that. And if it's a question that just shouldn't be answered, then um, then you may just never hear from us again. All right, so I'm going to finish drinking my coffee. I'm going to finish enjoying this incredible view of the ocean. I'm going to ponder... I'm going to ponder deeply, and I, this happens every time I come and visit the Oregon coast. I love it out here. I, I love it. I wonder if I should move to the Oregon coast. I think I, would, I think I would miss the city, but man, I love the ocean. I love the ocean. Okay, that's good. People, thank you for listening to us. You can find My Alchemical Bromance on the web at myalchemicalbromance.com. Um... I keep hearing other people on their podcasts be like, please give us five stars on iTunes. I don't care if you give us five stars on iTunes. I know that this content isn't for everybody, but I'm really glad that it's for you. So thanks for listening. Have a spectacular day. And Yahtzee. Ha <laughs> I just stole Joey's catchphrase. Okay, bye. I'm not going to